Hello, everyone. My name is Temitokwe Its English name is Ralph. Um, the Bible reading this morning shall be taken from the book of Romans, chapter 13. I'll be reading from verses 11 to 14. And do this, understanding the present. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day, the day is almost, uh, almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the hammer of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. May God bless the reading of this verse. Amen. Thanks, Ralph. I'm not sure I can say your real name. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to learn it. Uh, just a couple of things before we start um, the message. I, I meant to say at the beginning of the service, um, we are in the process at the moment... Uh, with other churches all around Australia supporting um, Baptist World Aid. And there's a, a special arrangement this uh, month, in the month of June, where if you give a donation to Baptist World Aid, the government matches that with another $4. Um, so you can uh, give here at church um, if you wish. And there's also... Um, if you go to the Baptist World Aid website, you can do that. You can find a link to that on our website um, in a banner up the top. And um, I've been informed today that there's also a phone number you can ring if you want to ring. And so if you would like to support that wonderful work, um, we encourage you to do so this month because um, the government also puts extra money into that, um, which is a great blessing to the people they serve. I'll just mention too, um, people may be wondering where Jonathan is at, um, our lead pastor who's had both his knees replaced about three weeks ago, uh, he's doing well, I spoke to him yesterday, uh, he's still got quite a bit of pain and trying to manage pain meds which make him fuzzy in the head, um, but he's home, uh, he came home during this past week uh, and I'm sure that's a, a great blessing, still struggling uh, because of the pain to sleep well, so he'd appreciate your prayers for that, I'm sure, and as he continues his uh, rehab process. I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a think about God's word together. Lord God, we ask that as we come to your word, that your Holy Spirit will impress upon our hearts the message that you have for us today. 
We pray that you will change us. That we will go from this place ready and clothed with Christ who is our armour. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're, um, uh, we've been doing a series called Reading Romans Backwards and we're talking about forming the transformed community. We're all about transformation here at WDBC and we are a community of people who have been transformed. It's great to be able to be part of that community. And uh, the first um, part of our series where we've looked at chapters 12 to 16 and this is sort of context to today's message, um, is about a community called to peace. And this is the final message in this section. Then from next week, we're going to start um, looking at chapters 9, 10, and 11. Um, so I just wanted to give a bit of context for where we've come so far. We're a community called to peace. And in our first message, um, we saw that Paul was commending God's peace to the church at Rome because the church at Rome was full of different people with diverse backgrounds and in chapter 16 he greets a whole stack of people in the church at Rome. There were Jews and Gentiles, there were women and men, there were slaves, there were free people, there was rich people, there was poor people and so you have this rich diversity in the church at Rome and Paul is commending God's peace to that diverse group of people. Then in the second week, we talked about the church at Rome being a community that was craving peace because they had this issue of conflict between the weak and the strong. In the third week, we talked about the vision for Christian community that together, despite the fact that we may have differences of opinion about some things, together we come with one voice to glorify God. In week four, we talked about a community that looks upward and we saw in Romans 12, one and two that because of God's mercy, because of what he's done for us, therefore we have peace with God. So we're a community that looks upward to God. The following week, we looked at the fact that we're a community that looks inward. We have peace with one another, with God's people, because we have peace with God, therefore we have peace with one another. And then um, we looked at a, being a community that looks outward. The peace of God helps us to show peace to those outside the church. Transformed minds create transformed relationships. And finally, last week, we talked about the habits of the transformed community. We talked about welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed you and the habits that make for peace and upbuilding, habits of grace. And so now we come to the, the final part of this first section um, that we've been looking at in the book of Romans. And it's sort of in the center of chapters 12 to 16. It's at the end of chapter 13. And we're talking about being a community that is clothed with Christ. And so the, the big question for us from this passage today 
is this. Are we asleep in the light? Why is it that the church in Australia has had seven decades of continuous decline? Why is it that the church in the Western world is going backwards, but in developing countries, there are movements, disciple-making movements, where people are seeing their friends become disciples and, and it's just rolling on in multiplication. What's going wrong in the church in Australia? It's uh, over 40 years ago now that the Christian singer, and I think he was one who I would term as being prophetic, Keith Green, wrote a song called Asleep in the Light. And some of the words say, the world is sleeping in the dark, that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave and you, you can't even get out of bed. Now that sounds to me like it was inspired by this passage that we're looking at today. Because in the passage that we're looking at today, we, we start with these words. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Paul envisages the church at Rome as being asleep. And he says, now is the time to wake. Our big idea is this, put on Christ your armor now. Uh, I've sort of worded it that way because I think the emphasis in the passage is about the now bit. And uh, I, I don't know about you, whether you've ever had any exposure to this. There might be some who, like me, years ago, when it was more of a thing, uh, participated in Boys Brigade. So when I was a teenager, I was in Boys Brigade. And Boys Brigade was a Christian organisation but it had sort of um, some military style elements. So we would do marching and um, drill, as it's called, and you'd have a drill instructor and you'd be lined up and, and the drill instructor would yell out uh, commands to you. And so it might be, you know, by the left, quick, march. And the, the final part of the command was always more emphasis. The first part was to let you know what you had to get ready to do. And the final part was the call to action. Now is the time to do it. You know, about face. And I sort of have this sense that this passage here and that the big idea should be put on Christ your armor now. You with me? Yeah? Okay. Good. So, um, I don't know if you can read that. I'm going to read a quote to you from Scott McKnight. Scott McKnight is the gentleman who wrote the book called Reading Romans Backwards that we've sort of been loosely basing how we've attacked this series. And he writes this about the church at Rome. He says, the problem at Rome 
is that believers, weak and strong, or at least some of the believers, are in the stupor of sleep. This means that either they are unaware of the imminence of the return of Christ, or they, knowing what time it is, are slumbering like sloths after daytime has arrived. It is time for them to become morally consistent with the gospel by acting in sobriety, faith, love, and hope. It's a great quote. And when I think about the church in Australia today, I wonder, are we slumbering like sloths? Where's our sense of urgency? The outline for today's message is that in verses 11 to 12a, we have the hour has come, and then really cast off the works of darkness and put on Christ himself as your armour is sort of interwoven between the next few verses there. Now we're going to take those one at a time as we go through this. The hour has come. There's actually four statements here about time. The first one, besides this, you know the time. Do we know the time? Do we know that we are in this age between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ? Do we know the time that in this age between those two comings, we don't know when Christ will come again? No one knows the day or the hour, Jesus said, not even the Son himself. But it may come at any moment. And Jesus tells, uh, I don't know whether you'd call them parables, but he, he tells uh, prophecies is probably the way you'd put it, about the fact that when he returns, there'll be two people working together at a mill and one will be taken and one will be left. We don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is returning. We know the time. The time is that we are in between the first and the second coming. That's the first reference to time. You know the time. That the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. This is the second reference to time. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Now, Paul is not saying Jesus is coming right now. We don't know when he's coming. But he's saying it's, it's now time to wake up. Uh, I was thinking about this and wondering how, how do you sort of envisage this. And I was thinking about when you maybe catch a, an international flight to go overseas and, and you have the flight leaves at like 6.30 or 7 a.m. in the morning and you've got to get to the airport three hours early for an international flight. And so your alarm goes off at like 2.30 in the morning to get you up because it takes an hour to drive in there. The, the, the flight isn't leaving yet. The daylight hasn't come. It'll be daylight when you fly out. It's still dark now, but now is the time to get up or you'll miss your flight. And that's a bit like what Paul is saying here. He's not saying Jesus is coming right now. We don't know when he's coming. But now's the time to be ready. 
Now's the time to wake up. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. This is the third reference to time. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believe. Every day we get closer. Now we have salvation. Salvation is one of those things that we have now, but, but we'll have it more fully when Jesus comes again and we are with him in glory. Our, our, the work that's begun in us has started. His salvation work, his his work of um, making us more like Christ has started in us, but that work will be brought to completion on the day of Christ's return. Salvation is nearer to us. We're still in this world. You know, we're, we're still dealing with the fact that we have a sinful nature by birth, even though we're given a new nature when we're born again. But those two are at war with one another, as Paul says, uh, and we'll look at that later on in our series. But those two natures are at war with one another. And so we're in this, this time where we have salvation, but it's not yet fully realized. But every day is a day closer to when it will be fully realized. That's the third marker of time. And the fourth is this, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. Have you ever gotten up really early in the morning because you want to see the sunrise? Years and years ago when we were living in the Southern Highlands, on Easter Sunday, there's a combined church's service at the jib at Mount, Mount Gibraltar at Mittagong. And, and people from the different churches would go up before sunrise to have a little church service to welcome the sun, which would be, you know, significant and symbolic of the rising of Christ on Easter Sunday. And in that moment where you're there and, and it's the darkness before dawn. It's, it's a really special time of the day, isn't it? And you're waiting for the moment when you see those first rays of light come up over the horizon. Spiritually, we're at that moment where the darkness is still here but we're looking forward to the light of Christ coming up over the horizon when every eye will see him and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Four markers of time that are given here and the purpose of them, the purpose of them is to say, now is the time, the hour has come for you to awake from your slumber. Think of your own life. Is there an urgency to share Christ with non-Christians in your life? Is there an urgency 
to put Christ first in all that you do? Or do we find it too easy to fall back into the comfortable routines? One of the reasons why I wonder if the church in Australia is going backwards as opposed to churches in other parts of the world is because of the ease and comfort and prosperity that we have. Life is pretty good in Australia, isn't it? And is that making us close our eyes to the fact that we are in this in-between time, that Christ may come at any moment, and that people we know and love, if he comes, will go to a Christless eternity in hell. It's not often preached in churches these days. But there is a choice. And I wonder if you think of yourself as I think of myself in this regard. I'm convicted that too often I put my own comforts and desires ahead of Christ's. Leonard Ravenhill, in his uh, essay, Why Revival Tarries, he, he laments the fact that too many Christians spend time, waste time, in front of the television. A friend of mine uh, has a, a particular habit of uh, trying to create a new habit every year um, and and he gives up different things. He gave up chocolate at one point and still doesn't eat chocolate years and years later. I was talking to him um, a few months ago and last year he gave up watching television. He said it's amazing how many books he's read in the past year. Do we entertain ourselves too much? The time has come to wake from your slumber, says Paul. A Christian commentator about this passage wrote, The Christian's life is not a sleep, but a battle. And that's where we go to next. So then... So then, because we've had these four time markers, you know the time, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. Because of these four markers, so then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. Of light. You know, one of the reasons we don't cast off darkness is because we like it. In John 
chapter 3, verse 19. Just a couple of verses after, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just a couple of verses after that, we read, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It goes on to say that people don't like the light because it exposes their evil works. We maybe toy with the darkness. At the end of verse 14, in the uh, ESV here, it says, Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. But um, I think, Ralph, you read from the NIV where it says um, along the lines of, Don't even think about the flesh and how to gratify its desires. We toy with it and think about it. Oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm just thinking about it. Wouldn't it be good to X, Y, Z? Paul's saying, you know, don't even think about how to gratify your flesh. Don't plan for sin. Um, Another commentator, K.J. Foreman, writes, put into very simple English, Paul is saying, do not plan for sin, give it no welcome, offer it no opportunity, kick the sin off your doorstep and you won't have it in your house. Get rid of it. Cast off the works of darkness. Why? Because the time has come. The hour is here. And Paul mentions uh, sort of three couplets, if you like, uh, three pairs of different types of sin. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness. And both of those would probably be said to be related to abuse of alcohol. Not in sexual immorality and sensuality. Uh, some translations put sens- uh, sexual immorality and debauchery. So these are sexual sins that are being talked about and they're, they're classed in the plural. So Paul is suggesting that this covers a wide range of sexual sins. And then finally, not in quarreling and jealousy. And these are in the, the singular. And there's introspection here. We shouldn't be indulging in quarrelling and jealousy. And I think in the church it's pretty easy to, to sort of put a stand out about things like drunkenness and orgies and sexual immorality and sensuality. But how often in the church do we engage in quarrelling and jealousy? That's what Paul goes on in the next chapter to deal with the whole weak versus the strong debate. And he says, you know, the time has come. Throw these things aside. Put, take them off. 
and put on instead the armour of light. Um, this, it's a very visual sort of a, an instruction. It, it's a metaphor, you know, put it on, take, take some clothing, take, your, take the armour of light and put it on. At the beginning of that verse, in verse 13, we read, let us walk properly as in the daytime. And there's a sense it's, it comes through in the New Living Translation that what this is saying is, you belong to Jesus. You belong to the day. The New Living Translation says, since we belong to the day. We've been made a new creation in Christ. We've experienced the mercies of God. As we, we read in chapter 12, verse, verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We belong to the day. We don't belong to the darkness any longer. When we came under Christ... When we believed in him, he changed us. We're a new creation. We're no longer creatures of the night. We belong to the day. And so therefore, if we belong to the day, we should put on the armor of light. This is a bit like um, you think about a sporting team, right? If, if you're playing in a sporting team, soccer, netball, whatever it might be, you put on the uniform of your team, don't you? Because you belong to that team. We belong to the day. So put on the armour of light. Paul uses armour a few times in the scriptures and in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, he, he talks about the armour of God and he gives you know, different illustrations for what different parts of the armour can be. He loves this idea because... We're in a battle. The Christian life is not a sleep. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle for the souls of people. And it's a spiritual battle in our own lives. And Paul wants us to be ready, to be equipped. If you, uh, I was a cricket player when I was younger. If you go out to bat without batting pads on, that's not a good idea. You get hit and you get hurt. There's other protection that you wear that's more important than that. <laughs> and if you don't have it, man, that's, that's a bad place to be in. Paul wants us to have the protection that we need and he says put on the armor of light but then he goes into more detail about what that is in verse 14 but put on the Lord Jesus Christ we don't just believe in Jesus we're invited to put him on to to put our arms through the sleeves and to put that jacket on or jumper on that is Jesus himself we clothe ourselves in Christ, who is our armour. And if we will do that actively, 
it will help us to cast aside the works of darkness. It's pretty hard to engage in doing wrong behavior if you're constantly putting on God's word, if you're, you're listening to his voice, if you're putting Jesus on, not just trying to follow him, but actually saying, Jesus, I want you to be my armor. This is an idea that's used multiple times in the Bible. Uh, Paul uses it on a number of occasions. He, he urges in Colossians chapter 3 for people to put on Christian virtues as they would put on new clothes. He encourages us in Ephesians 4 to put on the new man or new woman. In Galatians chapter 3, he says, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's this very real and common theme, a picture of what it means to live the Christian life, to walk the Christian journey, is to put on Jesus. He is our armor. I wonder when we think about the Christian walk, did, did you think about it like putting on Christ, your armour, now? Because that's the encouragement of this passage. We have peace with God through Jesus. We can have peace with one another as his peace radiates from us. But to have internal peace, internal. <laughs> because we are in a battle. And we'll come to this more as we look at the book of Romans in chapter 7. But there's a, an internal war that wages within us. As our old nature tries to overcome the new nature, the new creation that we are in Christ. And if you want to be victorious in that battle, put on the armour of Christ. Put on Christ as your armour. Because the time has come to wake from your sleep. I wonder if today as we as we think about leaving here, what might you do? What might you change in your life this week to signify that you have woken from your slumber, that you are walking now with Christ as your armour? Maybe... It's about recommitting yourself to reading God's word daily. Maybe it's about memorizing scripture. Maybe instead of watching television, you're going to spend time listening to a sermon podcast. Maybe in the car, instead of listening to 
secular music, you're going to listen to uplifting praise and worship music. I don't know what it might be for you, but I want to encourage you. What can you do this week to put on Christ? Because the time has come to wake from our slumber. Could you imagine what an impact our church could have in the Hawkesbury and beyond? We've got about 230 adults who are regular attenders of our church. They don't all come at once, as you've probably noticed, (laughs) but that's okay. But could you imagine what an impact our church would have on the world around us if we were all awake (laughs) and putting on Christ and living with an understanding that he may come at any time that the, the day has almost dawned, that the last hours, perhaps the last minutes of darkness are here. And any moment now, Christ may return. Are you ready for his return? There's a, a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25. It's the, the parable of the ten virgins. You might know it. I'll just... Read it for you. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight... There was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Are you ready? Is your lamp trimmed and burning? Have you got spare oil? Have you woken from your slumber? Have you put on Christ as your armor? Because the day is about to dawn when he returns and when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find us faith-filled followers ready for his return? Wake up. I want, I want you to take this on yourselves. I wonder if just to finish the message you might uh, say it with me but instead of saying put on Christ your armor now we'll say put on Christ my armor now you say that with me all right put on Christ my armor now all right now we've got to get emphatic with the now okay and and the children will wonder what's going on when they come in all right you, you ready 
Put on Christ, my armour, now. All right, we'll, do, we'll try it again once the children come in. They're waiting very patiently at the door, trying to be quiet because they, they always come in so wonderfully quiet. And we're going, to, we're going to blow them away this time when they come in. Come on in, come on in. Come in, girls, boys. Come in, come in, come in. Come on in, boys and girls. Come on in. Come to your parents. We're gonna. We're just gonna blow your socks off with something. Okay. Are we ready? Put on Christ, my armor, now. Yes. Let's do that. Let me pray. Lord, we ask that we might put on your armor now. Put you on. as our rock, our shield, our defender. Help us to wake from our slumber and to be on fire for you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.